Hello, and thank you for joining us for Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 2 Finale, Episode 10, The Fortress, Part 2. If this is your first time listening to Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, you might want to go back and start at Season 1, Episode 1, The Egg, to get the full story. My name is Marin Langdon Spillane, and today we are thrilled to welcome back special guest artist Daniel Pertiera. This is Daniel's fourth time illustrating for Fadpack, so you should definitely make sure to check the show notes for link to Daniel's artwork and coloring pages. One thing that I love about stories that you listen to is that everyone imagines the story a little bit differently. I know how it looks in my head, but I love to see how other people imagine things. So I encourage all of you listeners to grab your favorite supplies and draw, sculpt, paint, or create anything that you are inspired to while listening. Then you can share your creation with us during one of our live shows, post on our Facebook page, or email it to us at PetraTheDragon at gmail.com. And now let us begin Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights, Season 2, Episode 10, The Fortress, Part 2. Previously on Fad Pack, Beatrice the Dragon, her five draglings, and Tom and Talora, two humans from the city of Durga, set off on a quest to find Beatrice's stolen egg. After a long and perilous journey, the dragons learned that the egg might be held on an island fortress by the Guild of the Bone-Eyed Spider, a society of creatures that believe the egg may factor in either the salvation or the destruction of the world. Led by the fairy Carnelian, Beatrice, three of her children, Tom and Furball the Kitten, with the help of mermaids and the warrior tribe of sea cucumbers, fight off the sea dragons, known as Weladons, who guard the fortress. Tom, Carnelian, and Furball penetrate the fortress to distract the guild from Beatrice's approach. Beatrice's heart was racing. She still couldn't believe that the mermaids and the warrior tribe of sea cucumbers had managed to deter the Weladons so neatly. But before she'd had time to adjust to this pleasant surprise, she found herself approaching the outer wall of the fortress and wondering desperately if her egg, or her baby, were somewhere within. If everything had gone according to plan, Carnelian, Tom, and Furball would be inside the fort creating a distraction so that Beatrice and the draglings wouldn't face too much resistance from the guild as they approached. As they got closer, Beatrice could make out figures on top of the outer walls. They seemed to be... What were they doing? Mom, look! yelled Lyle. They're they're fighting each other, I think. What are they doing? Whoa, that pony's headbutting that other pony in its butt! Mom, said Edwin, they're wrestling each other. Why would they be wrestling? Do you think Carnelian put a spell on them? I, I don't know, said Beatrice in amazement. But whatever's going on, no one is trying to stop us, so that's good. Uh Uh-oh, Mom, said Lyle. Smudge is speeding up. He thinks they're playing. Oh, Mom, he probably thinks they're playing pony ball or something. Smudge! Smudgy, stop! Slow down! Mom, we have to stop him! No, said Beatrice. Let him go. Lyle looked at Beatrice and gasped. What? Then he looked at Edwin. That guild of the bone-eyed spider is about to get smudged, Edwin. Beatrice watched as Smudge pumped his wings to get to the mayhem sooner. This should be interesting, she thought. They were about a minute away from landing on the wall, and no one was even looking in their direction. Everyone was flailing, yelling, and falling, and many of them seemed covered in a strange kind of slime. 
Tom! yelled Edwin. Sure enough, Tom was standing to one side of the ramparts, waving at them. If Tom is there, it must be safe, yelled Beatrice. She could just make out Carnelian. Were they riding furball? Parading along the edge of the rampart wall, leading what looked like a line of tiny swamp rocks with feet waddling behind them. What had happened here? Ooh, flaming fish skeletons, here it comes! exclaimed Lyle as Smudge collided with a group of winged ponies and sent them all cascading off the rampart wall and into the courtyard below. Beatrice landed on the wall, followed by Lyle and Edwin. She stomped hard, crushing stone beneath her feet, and let out a blast of fire. Now she had everyone's attention. Where is my baby? Everyone below froze and all eyes turned upwards to the dragons. Your fortress has fallen, continued Beatrice. I've come for my child. Where is she? Beatrice could feel the heat pulsing from her own body. Don't make me ask you again. An older man finally cried out feebly. She's not here. Beatrice felt like the ground had just melted below her feet, like she was falling in slow motion. I don't believe you. You're a liar. No, no, I'm I'm sorry. It's true. We had her. We did, but she's gone now. She She escaped. She ran away several months ago. That's impossible, said Beatrice. She flew, cried the man. We didn't know she could go so far. Please, we meant her no harm. We were caring for her. Please, let me explain. Beatrice wanted to grab this man and throw him into the sea. She shut her eyes. She missed her mountain. With great effort, she willed her eyes to open again. Everyone was staring at her. Tom, she said, looking at the humans and ponies sprawled in various positions on the ground around them. Help them. As Tom scrambled to untie shoelaces and unbraid tails, Beatrice leapt off the wall and glided down to the courtyard below. Lyle and Edwin followed. Smudge was already there, enthusiastically cleaning a frightened pony with his tongue. "'Sorry for the delay,' said the elderly man who had addressed Beatrice before, as he and the others descended the stairs from the rampart. He smoothed his tunic carefully. "'We were somewhat hobbled.' He shot a pointed look at Tom, thanks to our new acquaintance, Tom, here. "'I really am so sorry about that,' said Tom quickly, truly looking very sorry. "'Anyway, I am Abner Whitforth. I am the eldest member here of the Guild, the Guild of the Bonide Spider. And I think I can guess who you are and why you've come.' "'So it's true,' interrupted Beatrice. "'You took my child.' "'Yes, I'm sorry to say. It's true. I... we...' You took her so that you could use her as a a, a weapon or a, a, some tool to rule the world, is that it? Continued Beatrice. What? cried Abner, alarmed. No, 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 that was not our intention. No, quite the opposite, actually. No, we were, we were protecting her. Beatrice felt her heart begin to race again. She noticed a young woman staring fixedly at Smudge, who was tucked by her side. He looks just like her. The woman breathed quietly to the man, Abner. All except for the coloring. It's... it's remarkable. Beatrice felt something inside her contract and then expand, and before she knew what she was doing, she had taken several long strides towards the woman who had spoken until she was towering over her. She had never threatened a human in her life, but it was all she could do now not to roar in this woman's face. This woman who knew Stella, while Beatrice had never even met her. She tried to control herself, but she was unable to speak calmly. "'Why did you take her? Why did you take my Stella?' "'Mom!' 
Edwin called out nervously, and Beatrice shifted to look at her three children behind her, all of whom were scared. She took a step back, but smoke was pouring from her nostrils. The young woman hadn't backed away from Beatrice, and in fact was looking at her with sympathy, rather than fear. "'You know her name,' she said softly. "'How, when you've never met her before?' "'Fascinating.' "'Ah, Megan,' said Abner, clearing his throat. "'I think we owe these dragons a proper explanation, and quickly,' he added, sizing up Beatrice's towering form. Megan nodded briskly. "'Yes, yes, of course. I'm so sorry. I'm—' I've just never seen this many dragons at once. It's just, you're amazing. You sound like our friend Talora, said Edwin. Please, sit down, make yourselves comfortable. Abner gestured to the grassy courtyard, clearly unsure how to offer hospitality to someone the size of Beatrice. Levi, Frida, will you take a few others and gather some refreshments, please? Several of the humans quickly left the courtyard, leaving just Abner and Megan behind, along with the ponies. Abner seated himself carefully on a bench beside Megan, and Beatrice tried to sit down and keep her smoke under control. Tom had moved to stand with the draglings, and Smudge snuggled up against him. Abner began, "'Well, our story is long, so I will preface it by saying that I am sorry for all this trouble we have caused you, but mostly I am sorry that we've lost your child.' Edwin jumped forward. "'But she was here? You had her here? Is she okay?' Megan stood up. She disappeared about three months ago now. We raised her here. This is where she hatched, you see. We took the best care of her. You should know. We really loved her. Love her. Megan here is our dragon expert, said Abner. We brought her on to care for the egg and to help Stella be raised in accordance with dragon custom and developmental stages. We were all so fond of Stella. And while we don't know where she is, we are doing everything in our power to try to locate her. Beatrice closed her eyes. The rage had left her body, and now all she felt was tired. She had been so close. So close. She wasn't sure how much longer she could take this. Mom? Lyle whispered nervously. Are you okay? Tom stepped forward. Uh, Abner, this is a lot of information for us, for Beatrice especially. We've been looking for her egg for several weeks now, and it hasn't been easy. She's had to endure a lot. And so, if you could just start from the beginning, please, and tell us, well, everything, I guess. I mean, you're really the guild of the bone-eyed spider? Abner nodded. Yes, of course, we will start from the beginning. I'm sorry to, uh, well, let me just explain our story. Perhaps that will help. Abner's kind face looked suddenly tired, and he looked at Megan and then at the six ponies who stood in a semicircle, quietly observing. We are the guild of the bone-eyed spider, yes, but only part of it, a branch, if you will. Those of us here today, myself, Megan, and the other humans, along with this contingent from the cloud ponies led by Storm, here, a dark gray pony dipped its head in a serene greeting. And, of course, the flower fairies, led by their petal bright, Wisteria. Oh, oh, hold on a second now. Where are the flower fairies? Does anyone know? As Abner looked around, four fairies fluttered to the ground from where they had been hiding in a nearby bush. They were no longer encased in stone, but they were still covered in mud and looked absolutely miserable. Here we are said one sadly. Please look away. We are hideous. We will have to wait until tomorrow at dawn to bathe in dewdrops, 
said another, and then we will gently crush the petals of the tulip to anoint our sullied flesh, and then we will extract some essence of lavender to perfume ourselves, and then— You must not gaze upon us, interrupted one of the fairies in an imperious tone, until we are restored to our usual state of perfection. Can't they just jump in the fountain and rinse off? whispered Lyle to Edwin. The fairies looked hard at Lyle, then skeptically at the fountain, then at one another. "'It is not a crystal-clear pool of mountain-fresh dew,' said one. "'There is not a single petal or bud floating in it,' said another. "'All right,' said the one with the imperious tone. "'We will do it just this once, because we have visitors, and an important meeting is taking place, but—' they said, pointing a small, mud-caked finger at Abner. "'You will tell no one of this.' Abner nodded seriously. "'Who has done this to you?' he asked, clearly shocked. "'That would be me.' Furball leapt from a tree in the center of the courtyard, Carnelian perched neatly atop his back. "'Carnelian Diamond Wing of the Crystal Fairies,' they said, as Furball sat and they slid off his back. "'And this is Furball, Warrior Kitten of Durga.' "'You beast!' sniffed one of the fairies as they fluttered delicately into the fountain and began to splash water across their bodies. "'Ooh, you're beautiful!' exclaimed Edwin as the mud ran from the fairies and their delicate colors began to shine through. "'You look just like flowers!' "'Oh, my goodness! Well, aren't you just the sweetest little one!' exclaimed Dahlia, shaking out their long golden hair in a cascade that almost looked like it was happening in slow motion." "'What is your name?' "'Edwin, what's yours?' "'I'm Dahlia. This is Magnolia, Frisia, and, of course, the petal-bright Wisteria.' Each fairy blew Edwin a little kiss as they were named. "'I love your flower crowns,' gushed Edwin. "'Can you show me how to make one like that?' "'We would love to instruct you in the art of flower crown preparation and design,' said Magnolia. "'And perhaps afterwards we can show you how to make a salad of buds and petals "'and serve it in a bowl hewn from an acorn shell.' Oh, "'Well, sure,' said Edwin. "'I bet my brother Azriel would love that salad. He's a vegetarian, you know.' "'Oh, swoon,' said Frisia. "'A vegetarian dragon? Be still my tiny beating heart.' Carnelian was following this exchange with disgust. "'Can it, fairies? This dragon loves everything that breathes. Edwin, do not be taken in by their pretty little hairdos and penchant for petals,' they warned darkly. "'Flower fairies are, above all, crafty.'" Why do kids bully other kids? Why does my friend lie to me? What do you do if your friends say you're bossy? How can I make a best friend? Friendships can be complicated. I'm psychologist and author Dr. Eileen Kennedy Moore, host of the Kids Ask Dr. Friendtastic podcast. Each weekly five-minute episode features a question from a kid about friendship, plus a practical and thought-provoking answer. Tune in to learn how you can build strong and caring friendships. Kids Ask Dr. Friendtastic is available wherever you get podcasts. Well, anyway, said Abner, as the fairies clustered around Edwin, ignoring Carnelian. Perhaps we shall continue our story? Please do, said Beatrice. Abner took a deep breath. 
You have heard the prophecy, I presume, and it led you to us, the guild of the Bone-Eyed Spider. And you, like many, believe that the Bone-Eyed Spider is, well, bad. You are not wrong, but you are not right, either. Hundreds of years ago, more perhaps no one knows exactly, the Bone-Eyed Spider was worshipped as a god of sorts, both the creator and the destroyer of the world. There was a time when the creatures of this land were not so separate as they are now. People, ponies, fairies, and others believed that the spider represented the cycle of life. The spider eats the world on one end while spinning the world anew on the other. Megan interrupted, nodding at Beatrice. Not unlike the way a dragon will burn an area down to clear the way for fresh growth. Abner nodded and continued. Out of these beliefs grew many stories and prophecies. Some stories used the spider to represent greed, envy, and destruction, while others depict the spider as a creator, a caretaker of sorts. Over time, however, many stories were lost, and only the stories of the spider as something evil something to be feared, remained. Those stories were more entertaining, I suppose, and that is how most view the bone-eyed spider. But the creator, half of the spider, was not lost entirely. Amongst humans, it was embraced by craftspeople, mainly. The spider is considered a talisman of good luck and good fortune among artisans all across Denia, even if they don't remember why. Other creatures, creatures who care for the land or care for others, also remembered the spider's good side, and slowly a guild was formed, the Guild of the Bone-Eyed Spider. This guild formed long ago in order to celebrate and to remember, to remember the stories and the prophecies, and to remember the way things once were, and perhaps the way they could be once again. However, there were Differences of opinion amongst the guild. Rifts formed into splits, and the guild splintered into factions with different beliefs. We here at this fortress call ourselves the Weavers, in honor of all that the spider creates. We hope to weave creatures together to unite them in harmony. By stealing babies? interrupted Lyle. Abner sighed. In this case, yes. Oh, you see, in, in the last hundred years or so, we have seen evidence of a new guild, one that celebrates the spider's more destructive characteristics. The mandibles, we think they call themselves. It is the mandibles, we believe, who are slowly manifesting the prophecy that you are aware of. The bone-eyed spider versus the dragon star. We keep a close eye on all of the prophecies, you see, as we believe them to be real. And so for many, many years, our guild has been following dragons across Dunaya, any that seemed powerful enough to be considered a dragon star. After Shakatala defeated Clamorine, he emerged as the most powerful dragon in the land, and therefore we started to watch him closely, and his mate and children. You were watching us? asked Edwin. Well, I wasn't, clarified Abner, but the ponies were, and the fairies... We were, said Frisia brightly. It was fun. You have a lot of very pretty flowers on your mountain. 
When Shakatala acquired his golden armor, said Abner, we knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that it had to be him. There were too many similarities. Things were aligning so perfectly with the prophecy. And then, interrupted Storm, it was a matter of waiting for the egg. Everyone turned to stare in surprise at Storm, as this was the first time that any of the ponies had spoken. He continued in a slow, deep voice. We knew when Shakatala's mate, Beatrice, Beatrice interrupted wearily. Yes, Beatrice, we knew that when she, you, laid your eggs, one would be the next dragon star. Smudge drew close to Beatrice and glanced up at her. She wrapped her wing around him tightly. "'That's where we came in,' said Wisteria. "'Once while you slept, Beatrice, we came and spoke to your eggs.' "'You what?' exclaimed Edwin. "'Well, I suppose we didn't exactly speak to them, but we listened. "'It's complicated. Only a fairy would understand.' "'They're right,' said Carnelian grudgingly. "'So,' resumed Wisteria, "'they told us their names. "'Energetically, of course, they couldn't speak yet, obviously. "'Smudge and Stella.' "'Hello, Smudge. So good to finally meet you, on this side of the shell, at least,' Smudge growled. "'Anyway, Stella for Star. The prophecy says when the time is right, the egg now a star will put balance back in its place. We knew that Stella was the one we wanted, the white egg with the golden streaks across it. That egg held the next dragon star.' Edwin looked at Beatrice. Mom, did Stella's egg look like that? Beatrice nodded, her eyes full of tears. Yes, it did. Smudgy's was black, streaked with silver. Stella's was so beautiful, almost like it was coated in stardust. So, said Storm, Flash and I, here he nodded to a white pony standing on his right, we approached your cave. You had left for a moment, and the eggs were unprotected. It was just for a moment murmured Beatrice. I just wanted to stretch my legs, see where Edwin and Lyle had gotten to. And we crept in, interrupted Wisteria, along with Storm and Flash. It was but the work of a moment, really. We placed the egg in a sling around Storm's neck, and off we went directly to Olean. We left some extra flowers blooming for you, said Magnolia. I saw them, said Beatrice, and the hoofprints. That's how I knew that it was ponies and fairies who took my egg. But I I don't understand. Why why did you take her? Abner looked solemn. We do regret the pain this has caused you, Beatrice, truly. But you see, this guild, the Mandibles, they seek control and power, and they are succeeding. Tensions across Dunaya have never been higher. We don't know how, or who, is behind this, but this guild is driving us all apart. And if we are apart, then we cannot unite against our real enemy. Shakatala is a sign that the end is near, and it is believed that Stella is our only hope. She holds the fate of the world in her talons. With her, we stand a chance. Without her, things will turn to darkness." We knew if we didn't get your egg to a safe place and quickly, it was only a matter of time before the mandibles took it, and we couldn't let that happen, not when so much hangs in the balance. Beatrice just shook her head. What is she like? she asked softly. Megan smiled. She looks just like Smudge, really. She's white, with gold streaks, like her egg. She is... she is fierce and strong and kind. Megan's eyes suddenly filled with tears. 
I know you probably think that a human has no business trying to raise a dragon, and you're right, I probably don't. But when the guild asked me to help, well, I knew I could. We did everything we could for her. I made sure she had plenty of dragon sounds while she was in the egg, and after she hatched, we all took turns showing her how to hunt, encouraging her to try her wings. I know she didn't grow up as her egg twin did, but she was loved and cared for well. While she was here, we were heavily defended, Abner added. Not only the whale dons, but almost all of Storm's herd, many more flower fairies and humans. They are all out there now, looking for her. Those of us who remained did so in case she returned. Somehow, no one ever found us here. Until you. How did she escape? asked Edwin. That was my fault, said Megan. I underestimated how well she was learning to fly and how much support she could gather from the ocean breezes. One day, we let her out to exercise along the beach, and she was gone. We're not sure how she did it. But we know she's alive, said Wisteria calmly. She did not drown. She is alive wherever she is. And we know she wasn't taken, added Abner, because nothing gets past the Whaladon. She left on her own. Tom voiced the most important question next. So if you have all these guild members out looking for her, how come you haven't found her yet? We don't know said Megan simply. She doesn't want to be found. She's always done things her own way, that little dragon. And this is what she wants right now. I I can't say exactly how I know that for sure, but I just do. She and I were... We were very close. Beatrice stood suddenly. Tom! Tom, what was the line of the prophecy, the line that starts with something about sea, protecting sky, and the white dragon? Tom's face lit up, understanding dawning on him, and he promptly recited the lines. When sea protects sky, and together they free the white dragon, giant protected. Boo, Tommy, I wanted you to sing it, said Carnelian. Ooh, the white dragon, Stella, exclaimed Edwin. Abner nodded. Yes, yes, we've often thought those lines referred to her, but we didn't know what the sea protecting sky referred to, and giants, as far as we know, they don't exist anymore. Beatrice was pacing now. When sea protects sky, the the mermaids and the sea cucumbers... "'The warrior tribe,' interrupted Lyle. "'The warrior tribe, yes. "'They are from the sea, and they protected us. "'We are dragons. We are from the sky. "'Could that refer to us?' "'Abner looked thoughtful. "'I suppose,' he said, "'it would make sense, "'although you didn't free her, "'so I'm not sure about that line.' "'Not yet, but we might still,' said Tom excitedly. "'And if those lines are about us "'and the white dragon is Stella, "'it means that she's with the giants.' "'But the giants are long gone,' said Megan. "'Do we know that for sure?' "'asked Beatrice anxiously. "'Storm spoke in his low, rumbling voice. "'We do not know anything for sure. "'There are rumors, rumors that they may remain hidden somewhere still. "'Well, we've been working pretty much exclusively with rumors "'for, like, this whole quest, "'so that sounds pretty great to me,' exclaimed Edwin. "'Beatrice nodded. "'If that is all we have to go on, "'then we will do whatever we can to find the giants. "'It's a start.' "'Abner looked worried.' You should know, Beatrice, you won't be the only one looking for her. The search will not be without danger. 
Lyle snorted. Oh, please. Do you even know how much danger we have just lived through? This whole quest has been like, danger, danger, danger. Whoa, more danger. We're like basically danger experts at this point. The young dragons are correct, said Carnelian. We as a group are more than capable of handling a little more highly dangerous rumor-based questing. We do have furball after all. I am very much enjoying my fluffy new steed. Beatrice nodded. I understand the danger, Abner, and believe me, if I thought I had a safe place to leave my children where they would actually stay in one place, here she glared at Edwin, Lyle, and Smudge, I would. But their older siblings, along with some of our friends, are also on a quest of their own, and I sense that time is of the essence right now. We must go, and we must go together. And you, dragon expert, she looked at Megan, you are coming with us. Megan gaped. What? Carnelian clapped their hands. Marry her, Tommy, marry her. Look at that fish mouth. She is clearly your soulmate. How humans don't just choke on bugs and small birds constantly, I don't know. Beatrice ignored Carnelian. You heard me, Megan. You know her best. You know how she thinks, what she likes. You know her voice. Beatrice swallowed hard. I don't know any of these things. She doesn't know me, but you, you she knows, and you she trusts, so you're coming with us. That would be fun, said Lyle. I'd love to talk to a dragon expert. Lyle, you cavity chomper, you are a dragon. You don't need anyone to tell you about being a dragon. Just because I am a dragon doesn't mean I know how to be a dragon, you know, Lyle said, especially now that I'm part sea cucumber. I can't come with you, said Megan. I'm not that kind of person. I mean, I know a lot. I read a lot. I'm, you know, I'm smart and all, but I'm not brave. I'm not the type to, you know, quest. Well, you should have thought of that when you decided to join forces with a team of kidnappers, said Beatrice briskly. You said you care about her, right? You said that you love Stella. Megan nodded. I do. Do it for her, then, said Beatrice. Megan was still staring at Beatrice, wide-eyed. Then she looked back at Abner, who nodded. All right, I'll go with you, said Megan. I'll help you find Stella. When do we leave, Mom? asked Lyle. Beatrice looked thoughtful, but before she could say anything, someone else spoke. Now, said the voice. It was soft and young, and to the dragon strangely familiar. Everyone whipped around to see where it was coming from. Now, it said again. Beatrice's gaze fell on Smudge, who was crouched beside her looking into her eyes. She thought, suddenly, how big he was, and how much wisdom she could see as he stared at her. Smudgy, she whispered. What did you say? Now, said Smudge, as Edwin, Lyle, and Tom gasped. Find Stella. Now. Stella. Hello again. Thank you so, so much for being with us for season two and season one of Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights. It's been a wonderful, wonderful experience for us to get to know some of you via our live Zoom shows, via emails, sharing of your artwork, asking questions. We really wouldn't have a podcast without all of you and connecting with you has made all of the work absolutely worthwhile. So we really can't thank you enough for that. To find out what happens next, please join us for Season 3. 
happening, well, we're not exactly sure yet, but as soon as we know, we'll announce it on our website at dirtroadtheater.com slash fadpack and on all of our social media channels. You can find links in the show notes. If you are enjoying Fadpack, there are a few simple and fun ways to support the show. If you can leave a rating or a review on the device that you're listening from, go for it. We would love that. This is a great way to help others find the show, and it really means a lot to us and to Petra. You can also join us on Patreon or buy a ticket to one of our live Zoom shows where you'll be the first to hear the new episodes, share your drawings or thoughts about the show, and chat with other listeners. For tickets to the live show, please visit dirtroadtheater.com slash fadpack. And now we'd like to share some moments from our live show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to our season finale. So happy so many of you could join us today. Want to welcome back Dan, our four-time fad pack illustrator. <laughs> he holds the record. And Dan, I don't know if you want to tell us a little bit about this illustration. Dominic and I were saying it's definitely one of our favorites. It's it's just, it captures so much incredible stuff. We, we were stunned when we saw it. Well, first I want to say that I originally actually did about five, six, seven sketches of Beatrice and the Draggling storming the castle. But um, I just couldn't get the, it just didn't sit right. Then just on a lark, I drew my own take on the, uh, on Stella hatching as part of the, uh, the prophecy of the Dragon Star in the Bonite Spider. And I thought, never mind, this is the picture. I realized Stella hatching, she's like the star from a prophecy. And I've decided I could actually transfer over a couple of skills from my actual acrylic paintings onto digital painting. And I was able to not bother with the heavy focus on the line art and just paint digitally. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And it's, it's so fun to see Stella since we didn't actually get to see her. Mm. Lucinda, you had your hand up. Um, this is what I think the fortress looks like. Oh, good. Cause I have no idea. <laughs> I need to look at this. I'm very confused about the fortress. Oh, I love that Lucinda. Look at all that detail. Whoa. Okay. That's helpful to me. <laughs> I made a picture, but I can't. It's up there. Oh, there it is. It's a fairy. Oh, I love that. Is it specifically a flower fairy or just a fairy? A fairy. Yeah. I love the colors. Thanks Lily. That's beautiful. Oliver? I actually didn't draw something. I built something. I've been wanting to do something other than drawing for a really long time. And this is what I built. First, I didn't know what it was, but now I do. I was thinking it would be like a miniature version of the fortress. Like, see, this is the fountain. And see this hole? Yeah. That's where they got in. Okay. There's like, but there's actually passages for people to go through, little side passages. The secret to making an amazing drawing or amazing sculpture is it just, if you start doing something, you can't stop and you eventually just do something amazing. Hi, Gideon. Hi. Um. I uh, drew a picture of the previous episode, episode okay. nine. Um, this is my picture of Shaka Tall's fire. Whoa. Oh, that is the best. That's so like you cool. said, it was like red and gold, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's really fun to see. Okay. Libby. I remember in the last one, I was here and two of the people there 
Say just did one of the characters dying. This is how I feel about that. <laughs> Not good. Okay. I hear you, Libby, loud and clear. <laughs> Any thoughts? Yeah, Gideon. I thought Smudge was gray, first off, not black. <laughs> oh, oh, because his egg was black? Um, yeah. yeah, I think Smudge is gray. I think Stella happened to be the same, and I actually haven't thought this through too much, but my understanding is that Stella happened to be the same color as her egg, but I don't know that Smudge necessarily is. I also have a few questions. Like, what do crystal fairies eat exactly? I, I don't know. What do you, what do you think? I, I have not, I have not decided. We actually talked briefly about it. Like, do they sleep? Do they eat? What's, what's that whole situation? And we, we never landed on anything. So I would be curious to hear thoughts on that. Cause we have, there's a lot of things about these different species of creatures that we have not decided at all yet. It's a good question. Yeah. I'm going to think more about what the fairies eat. I mean, the flower fairies clearly eat. So the crystal fairies must eat. Maybe they eat crystal. Also, when I when the prophecy says when the sea protects sky, I usually think of mountain dragons and and whaleodons, not sea cucumbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, I see how the sea cucumbers might still be on Beatrice's side, thanks to Lyle. But mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, and that that has a nice symmetry too, if you think about it, as the whaleodons and the and um, the mountain dragons for sure. Lucinda. I have a question for Dan. Um, why did you use a black background and white lines? Well, I kind of wanted to, I was taking inspiration from a lot of the space paintings I had done. And the darker the background is, the brighter something looks in the foreground. So because Stella was supposed to be a star, I put her against, well, she's the dragon star. I put her against the black background. That way, when she glows she looks like she's going a lot more brightly than I would if she was going against a lighter colored background. It also kind of let me hide the spider in the background a little bit easier as though it's, you know, kind of hiding out in the darkness and slowly moving forward into the light being lit only by the light of the dragon star. Last thing about that is in the prophecy, it was said that uh, the spider kind of traps the original dragon star in webs made of gold. So I wanted to use as few colors as possible. Look at the picture again. The only colors I use are white, black, and yellow. Um, yes, Libby. I do have a suggestion. Beatrice goes and looks for her baby, and then the baby realizes, oh, this is my mom. I should go to my mom. And the ba- and Stella eventually finds Beatrice and Stella the other way around. Mm, I like that a lot. Stella definitely seems to know her mind, so... I could totally see that happening. That's a great suggestion. Grayson, did you want to say something? I have got a guess on like what the fairies eat. I think that like the crystal fam fairies eat like maybe like melted gems or like gem dust and maybe the arbor fairies eat like plants or like tender roots or buds or something mm-hmm. like tree buds and yeah um okay libby what did you want to say i have the answer to what the arbor fairies eat okay it was actually in one of the episodes that i just remembered the arbor fairies eat moats. that's right because when the when the crystal fairies are telling them about the arbor fairies they mention that right they are like ugh, mulch yeah they just have general disgust for all other fairies that's right good memory Dominic, do we know when season three is coming? No, we don't. 
but it's coming. Don't worry. It will happen. It will, it will happen. We need a little break. Graceland, one final thought. Yes. Sorry that, well, this isn't fad pack related, but I just wanted to share it. Last week, we realized that there was a bird nest on the underside of our treehouse. Yeah. And we looked in it and we saw a little bit of fluff in it. A possible, ba- some possible baby chicks. And then just today, I went over there to check on it and I saw some ter- tail feathers. And when I, I, clo- and when I cl- closer look, um, and I saw a little baby chick. It was so cute. It was That's a little amazing. bird. And then after that, we saw the mama bird, and she looked none too happy about us hanging around her nest, so we skedaddled. Bye. Bye. All so much. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is a proud member of Kids Listen, a grassroots organization of advocates for high-quality audio content for kids. You can find more great podcasts at kidslisten.org or download the app. Fairies and Dragons, Ponies and Knights is made and recorded by Dirt Road Theatre in Northfield, Vermont. Fad Pack is written and performed by me, Marin Langdon Spillane, and written and created by Dominic, Graceland, and Oliver Spillane. The music you heard was composed by the amazing Nathan Lee. You can see more of his work at nathanlee.net. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you can join us next time.